Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5, and this is Episode 34 of the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC, 15-year-old Sherry Cask, signature CC Classic, 12-year-old whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. We've got Nick Foligno, Ray, of the Chicago Blackhawks, who's going to join us here in episode 34 and um for hockey fans who are listening who are watching who don't know Fili- uh, Nick Felino of course you recognize the name his brother Marcus um you know family that's rich in hockey history he's a character he's just a good dude and a fierce fierce competitor and almost the perfect complement to a Chicago Blackhawks team that knows where they're at right trying right. to develop a, a culture of winning around a uh, budding superstar in Connor Bedard. So looking forward to connecting with Nick Foligno. Yeah, a lot of work there and a lot of energy and a lot of positivity from him, but you still got to be able to play or else really you're just a glorified coach. And <laughs> he found his way back to health. And yeah. the last year and a half have been great for him as he got on the other side of some pretty serious back issues. Yeah. All right, well, let's check out the Tim Hortons headlines. For 60 years, Ray, Tim's has been supporting and loving hockey at both the community and pro levels. One of the ways they do it is through the Hockey is Hers initiative in partnership with Hockey Canada. They are committed to supporting and advocating for the growth of girls hockey in Canada. With a focus on player retention and training, they're helping to advance young girls in their careers and provide ongoing mentorship and development to keep them in the game. Tim Hortons, a proud partner with a PWHL. Uh, let's start the Tim Hortons headlines in Calgary, where the Toronto Maple Leafs will visit the Flames tonight as we record this episode Thursday morning. The fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ray, are frustrated. Some are targeting the head coach, Sheldon Keefe. He's got to go. Losing games, but are they playing that bad? The starts are there, the finish isn't there, and protecting the lead is suspect at best of late but is this crisis worthy in Leafs Nation I'm gonna I'm gonna say the reason is yes but the reason is that you you talk about they start well they don't finish well they don't hold leads so that means do they have to me anyway do they have the willingness to play like they do in the first period Mm -hmm. late in the game and right now the answer is no and that willingness to, which basically comes down to how hard can you compete on every battle? It's not, and every battle is not like, a, you know, two guys ramming into each other. It's a puck that's in the corner. It's a puck around the front of the net. I mean, look at the way they lost in Edmonton. Yeah. And a couple of the goals are entirely co- correctable, but they're the same sort of things that happen too often. So that's why I say it's a a bit of a crisis because the willingness or the ability to fight through those last period battles are are really a problem. Like the the goal Derek Ryan scored where McLeod goes around the back of the net, like Morgan Riley's an all-star and having an amazing year. And he goes to protect the pass that's going out to the side. Mm -hmm. And so he moves his stick there. Well, that opens up the pass lane right up the gut. And Ryan gets a one-timer from four feet. 
Like that's the wrong, that's the wrong read at that time. The game, the winning goal or the McLeod goal where he comes out around the back of the net, like Matthews is in front of the net with, I forget who the Edmonton player is. And it's like he forgets or just, I'm not sure, but like he's got to make a move at the shooter and he kind of gets out of the way and it goes into the net. He did. Yeah, and that and, was after and, the battle that McDavid won, right? With Riley it, on the boards to get over to the front of the net. Right. Like yeah. those are those are the game, right? Those are the game deciding moments. They're right there. When you're up one nothing, two nothing, and then you score to make it three nothing, now you've got an easier game. Um that's one thing. Th- those moments are what are the crisis point for me. And yeah. Is it a lull or, geez, does it happen a lot? I'm looking at the standings here. And so I, you always got to kind of pay attention to like regulation wins. And the Leafs have only 13 of them. Because once yeah. you get into overtime and shootout, those are not, no. they're three quarter wins kind of. Because yeah. you're playing with three players or you're having a breakaway competition. Yeah. And so that, that stuff sort of is concerning. That, that's, concerning for sure so is that is it a player execution issue um a confidence problem again in player execution is there a coaching issue here i mean the coach every coach in the league is more or less in the crosshairs as soon as they step on the bench for for game one that's just that's how how fragile the industry the business is is it all of the above is it low-hanging fruit for the fans and certain media to go well Sheldon's not doing this, and he's overthinking, and he's putting his lines in the blender too often and and all of that. All of the above? Well, it's all of it, and one of the reasons the frustration goes to the coach is I think the fans are well aware that the team is constructed in a way that it is, Mm -hmm. and it leaves big holes in it. The coach, he's just a guy wearing a suit, right? Like, you can only talk about systemic things so often. You can, and, and if the players can't do it or won't do it, then you can't change the players. We, we know how difficult that is. So you have, the next thing is to change the coach. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they don't have a roster that has the ability. We're seeing it. It's what 42 games in. We're, we're seeing it. They don't have the consistency or the ability to play as consistently as they need to play for as long as they need to play to win. Because another, like a fallacy is that, oh, we got to play a 60-minute game. We haven't dominated a 60-minute game. You're never going to, because the other team gets to try to, right? Right. And so, but you've got to play longer than the other team at, at close to your peak. And they just they just don't have it. Hell, it's not my words. It's Sheldon Keefe's. He said, "Look, we're forty two games in. I don't. I'm not really sure who I can trust yet." Ooh, that's 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 a that's not that's not a good place to be. No, no. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one. Obviously, uh, Calgary. No joke, man. I mean, they're they're with Seattle two points out of a playoff spot. Yep. So this i i keep using the term gauntlet it is it's the leafs running the gauntlet here because they lose in edmonton calgary's no pushover oh then you've got the vancouver canucks and oh then you've got the seattle kraken yeah. um so a thought on 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 calgary going into this one because this team has <clears throat> to be hungry uh, they are i mean i i i don't know 2 weeks ago i had pretty much in my head said 
yeah, they're probably done. You know, like they're, they're not gonna. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden they're not. And they're, they've become a, a harder team to get through. Um, you know, like they beat Arizona in overtime the other day. Um, you know, kind of out of nowhere, Blake Coleman's got 20 goals. Kadri's game's really ignited since after Christmas. He's been, he's been awesome since after Christmas. And, you know, the players get picked up all the time and they're quiet moves. And, you know, they get Sharon Govich from mm-hmm. Jersey. He's had a, he's had a hell of a year and yeah, yeah. Markstrom goes down and Vladar comes in and like it, they, they're in a spot right now where they're, they're not an easy team to play. And this can't be making Craig Conroy's decisions too easy. I mean, I'm sure they probably change three times a week. And, you know, he's just got to wait till they get closer to the deadline. But this will be this will be a hard game for Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention L.A. You're doing that game, so perhaps we'll check. They're floundering a little bit, right? And, well, and- I'm, I want to say one thing about there. I watched yeah. the game the other night. I, I'm telling you, they, they offloaded a bounty of players to Winnipeg. Did they ever? For Pierre-Luc Dubois. And he's looking for the easy game. He is looking for, man, he's big and strong. Like, he would be, horse. He'd be murder to play against. Oh. But the last game, I know it was the sixth game of the road trip. I watched the game before, too. He never has his nose over the puck. Like, man, when he's engaged, like, the, it's... It, it's a completely different player. The other day, he just kind of skated around. And again, you're 41 games into the season. He's, um, his, his stats are no, he's got, what's he got? Four goals, four goals and four assists in the last 21 games. And he's signed a seven year contract as well. Um, like he's got to dig in. If they want, if they want out of that hole that they're in right now and they're, that's a good team, but they're in a hole. They need him to play, not just by a little bit, but by a lot more than he's playing. Well, Rob Lake vows to let the group work through it, but I'm with you. It certainly sounds like it starts with PLD. Uh, Vegas loses Jack Eichel week to week. Yikes. Surgery. Um, I mean, we're six, what, six, seven weeks from the March 8th trade deadline. So we don't know what week to week means other than it's week to week. I mean, does that mean month to month? I mean, if it does then you can count on Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights using that LTIR, right, mm-hmm. to acquire sure. another piece. Why wouldn't they? I mean, that's, you know, that's well, using the system to your advantage. And, you know, let's not lose sight of the fact they're losing, was he tied for the lead, team lead in points? I mean, Jack right. Eichel is an, an impactful piece that they're without now for an extended period of time. So Aiden Hill hasn't played really since November 30th. Carlson, January 1st. Carrier, January 4th. Theodore, November 22nd. Hutton, December 28th. Eichel, January 15th. They all, you know, that's when he had his surgery. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, like that is just carving the, you know, half of the team out of the lineup. And, um, you know, so they're trying to hold water right now, hold their, hold their depth. And, and it, it's really hard. And if, if they have the well, you know what? We're gonna know what the timeline is because if they go get a monster player, we're gonna know <laughs> the timelines. Know. <laughs> yeah, the timelines longer, right? Yeah, but, this is but right I would to the say, playoffs. Yeah. Oh yeah, like I, I would think, you know, I would think they, 
you know, they, as soon as they can get uh, a handle around what may or may not be as far as return dates for these guys, yeah. that yeah. that'll crystallize what they're able to to do going into the deadline. All right, let's wrap up headlines with your Jack Adams favorite, which is impossible, really. Again, we're yeah. we're really halfway through the regular season, but there's some obvious names that should be acknowledged. Rick Talk at Vancouver Canucks, uh, Rick Bonus, Winnipeg. John Tortorella, who you talked about earlier in the yeah. week, absolutely is a candidate with Philadelphia. Right. Peter Laviolette with the Rangers. Paul Maurice doing an admirable job with the Florida Panthers again. Jim Montgomery with the Boston Bruins. Um, and there are some who think Chris Knobloch needs to be acknowledged at this point. And I mean, in fairness, I guess he deserves, you know, at least part of the credit for the remarkable turnaround of the Oilers. So who do yeah, you like well, in that class? Well, I'll start right at the end of it with Knobloch, and it was 21 and 6 since he took over. But the reason I can't put him with the other guys yet is because that's kind of a quarter of the season, right? He's passed yeah, a quarter yeah. of the season, but yeah. you know, you could, if you go three and nine, all of a sudden the record looks completely different and it's, it's been amazing what they've been able yeah. to do. Um, and certainly noteworthy, but he, so he's got, I got him on the outside of those candidates because okay. just of the longer game or the shorter game, uh, grouping that he has. Um, I look, it, the coach of the year always seems to go to the most unexpected. So to me, the front runners are bonus and talk it mm-hmm. because I don't think anybody would have really put them there, but I got to tell you, there is zero chance. I thought the Bruins were going to have 60 points again at this point, <laughs> like none. Yeah. I don't, I, you, and you can say, Oh, it's cause they got good goaltending. Yeah. Well, you, you're allowed to have good goalies and yeah. the coach, if you, you know, you, you go back to Sheldon Keefe and people complaining he changes the lines too much, try and follow Jim Montgomery's lines. He's got, <laughs> he's got Geeky playing at center now pretty regularly, but early in the yeah. year he was playing the wing. Trent Frederick goes from wing to center. He goes from yeah. first line to third line. You know, like they're all over the map because yeah. he's, he's coaching out of a feel and a gut that, yeah. oh, we need something different tonight. And he changes the lines. And so I, I think Montgomery, those are my, oh, and I would have the torch. It, it's still, I guess the reason it's a year long <laughs> award, it'll, it'll clarify itself, but those, those are the, I would put Montgomery in with Tortorella and the bonus and talk it. I really would because they're, okay. they're, they're there to me. They've separated themselves a little bit. Okay. You know, we are kind of in the dog days of the regular season. Anytime you get into this point in January, into February, it, it is, there's a little bit of a blah effect. So I like the idea of a trophy tracker. So maybe next week we'll have a look at the Norris or the Vesna. You know, I will say this, Drake's from now until the end of the month, these are really the dog days because yeah. the guys now are starting to look at their all-star break. Sure they are. And you get just a little off of focus. Yeah. And points can slide away pretty quick on you here. Like these are important couple of weeks. Those are your headlines. Thank you, Tim Hortons. For 60 years, we've been beside you, loving hockey. Through the highs, the lows, and everything in between. The game's come a long way. And together, we can take it further. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. 
They've introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. All right, thrilled to be joined on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast by Nick Foligno of the Chicago Blackhawks, who's kind enough, Ray, to join us from the practice facility <laughs> in Chicago. A lot going on for you, Nick. I mean, you're recovering from the fractured finger, um, so yeah. give us an update on when we should expect you back in the Blackhawks lineup. But in the meantime, <laughs> you got a lot of stuff going on on the home front as well that's keeping you busy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's what happens when you get injured. The wife piles it all on. Says you want to be injured, here you go. Uh, so busy with the kids, but uh, but uh, no, it's uh, you know, I'm hoping to be back soon enough. I mean, it feels weird. I don't think you get, I don't think Ray, you'd even be out with this thing. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Just, uh, back in the day, I think my dad's already tripped me five times, but I gotta let him heal like this place, I guess, kind of easily here. But um, it's not good for the ego when you walk around the room and you just have this thing keeping you out of the lineup, but um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm terrible to be. I mean, I think you've seen Connor. He's awful to be. I have already noticed as an injured player, he doesn't listen to anything. So, uh, I'm probably right there behind him. Well, I got to say, you, you are right. I would never have been out with an injury like that because I never hit anything. Like, if, 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 I, I was curious, like, okay, when you were talking about, I knew Dregs was going to ask you about your finger. Like, when you're in a fight, like, honestly, I don't know, because I never, I don't think I really hit anybody. But, like, do you know, like, as you're throwing that punch, like, uh-oh, I just broke my finger. Or, oh, yeah. Oh, you do, eh? Oh, yeah. Well, it was, it was funny. It was like, uh, I don't know, I threw, I know I threw a left, and I felt like a burning in my hand. And I looked down. I thought I cut myself on the visor on the helmet. A lot of times it happens. I looked, and I'm like, there's no blood. And then I went to grab the jersey, and I just felt like a, as the, Ooh. as the, and then I was Ooh. like, oh, boy. But I was I was pissed because obviously I didn't want to let that 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 play go at the time. I wanted to make sure Smith and I had a good fight to to send a message, and so I'm just I remember I was laughing to myself because I was throwing open hand. Yes, you were just kind of slapping him there like <laughs> yeah. a wrestler at the end, right? Yeah. I thought like how disrespectful if I was going to connect with one of those would that have looked, you know? So <laughs> I would have loved that. Uh, but you know that was uh, I give Smith a ton of credit. I, I respect him as a player and. Um, you know, I appreciate that he understood that we had to do that. And, you know, and we, we set it, set it aside and where we are. It, it was more I, about the, 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 the result, right? Sorry, Ray, just to jump in. Yep. Cause there was some debate after the fact, right? And people yeah. were like, Oh, was it a dirty hit? Was it this? It was that. I mean, that's the old code that we often talk about. Yeah. And I just, I, I've said this before and probably been quoted. Like, I know it was a clean hit. And, and I, honestly, I, I, yeah, it's unfortunate his shoulder hits. Bedsy's head. I don't like that. I mean, as anyone wouldn't, as a teammate, you don't like the guy's shoulder to, to end up in your teammate's face. But it is a clean hit in the in the sense of the rule. Uh, what I don't like is it's our best player. Yeah, and that's the game within the game that I talk about. And I'm sure, right? And just that's yeah. I grew up with that code. I I I believe in that code, and I think that's how great teams evolve and and stand up for one another. I understand that you can't fight in every hit and hits happen, but there's just certain moments in games or. You know, we're we're trying to find ourselves as a as a group here. Uh, our best player, who's never played in the league before, gets taken advantage of a little bit, maybe not knowing and understanding that you can't cut through the middle like that. And and you know, one of their players who plays like that steps up and, and is trying to send a message for his team. It was a physical game even before then. And you know, I, I've talked about if you hit that and you don't you don't respond, 
now the ice becomes a little bit bigger for the New Jersey Devils. And I don't want that. And I was proud of, I honestly, even at the hit, I mean, Kurashev jumps in and goes after him first, which I was just so proud of a young guy who doesn't fight and just understood, Hey, you don't hit our guy like that. And, you know, and, and we ended up fighting just to, to make them aware, like, Hey, there's going to be a response if you're going to go after one of our players and not to say he's going after him, but if you're going to hit him like that, it just, you know, and he broke his jaw at the end of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple things uh, the, out of your answer there. Well, the first was you raised your left hand, and I can see why your dad's chirping you because it, it's like <laughs> I should have like, had a glove on. Yeah, oh. it's like it's like it's like you banged your finger in the door or something, right? It's like <laughs> um, the, the second it feels part like is, you know the the second thing is like you, you know you talk about the code you grew up in and and your dad who had a fabulous career and Luke Richardson talked about your coach, when you came in, he couldn't believe the similarities between you and your dad in the room and the energy. And he told this story about like, you'd be stretching before practice and, and your dad would be going around telling a story to every guy around the room about his grandparents or, you know, dinner he had last night. Like, is that, is that just an easy energy for you? Yeah, I think, and we were so privileged younger. I got to see my dad in the NHL locker room too, right? I yeah. got to witness how he was around his teammates or around his players when he was coaching. And, um, you know, and I always respected how how respected he was. And so I think as a young kid, you just kind of mold into that. Like, hey, he understood how to be around his teammates and how to connect with them and, and how to make them realize, you know, a, a lot about him so that the relationship was built and the bond was built. And that always kind of, was something I, I think I've just carried and, and probably were watching my dad at a young age, just being, it was, it's funny, like how much you pick up in, in, a, in an NHL locker room. I watch my boys now come in with me and I, I die laughing at some of the things I see <laughs> later on with the, like, you know, what they try to do jumping over the boards. Cause they see us do that or just how they sit in their stall and they set things up based on the players that they watched in practice that day, set things up in their stalls. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's probably what happened for me. And, and, you know, I, I he's a, obviously a, a huge role model influence in my life. And, um, you know, I've always appreciated the passion that my dad played with. And I, I've talked about it. I think he instilled that in Marcus and I both. When when you decide to re-sign in Chicago, which congratulations, by the way. And yeah. um, two and a half years ago, you're, you know, you're dealing with injury. You're not, I mean, you're you're trying to play, but you can't really play. And it seems like you had this resurgence in Boston. And mm-hmm. when you were in camp, Jim Montgomery said, this guy's going to have a good year because he's healthy finally. Again, you know, meaning the previous year, you just weren't at all. Was it just health or what, what gave you the, like, you looked like a completely different guy again last year. You looked like, like what you were prior, I guess, to your injury. Maybe that's easy, but you just looked like a different guy again. Yeah, honestly, it is all that. It, it's the first time ever dealing with an injury. I think the disappointment that I went to Toronto, was so excited to go to that team and help, and I couldn't. And it wasn't because of it was it wasn't lack of try. It was literal health, and and it pissed me off. And and you know, I, I'm sure I took a little beating and didn't appreciate the fact that you know you can't really stand up for yourself because that's not you know it's it is what it is, right? Like it's I didn't play well. I couldn't play well. Um, and that was disappointing at the time because I really felt like I could help that group. And when mm-hmm. I was healthy those first four games, I really felt like I was. We were winning, and 
Um, and it's too bad that, you know, going into the playoffs, the most important time is when it, it struck. But, um, and I think honestly, then you go into this mode where you, you go to Boston. I'm so excited. Patrice calls me, Hey, we really need you. And, and then you get there and, and the wheels kind of started to fall off. And I'm like, what is happening to my body? It's the first time as you get, and then, then you're starting to think like, is it age? Is it finally, I've, I've, all these years have caught up to me. And, and I think it was just honestly that I never really fully got healthy and was able to train. You were recovering. You're never really training to get back to the level that you can get at. So going in from a back injury and trying to just get to a point where I could play and then injury, injury, injury all season long in Boston, you lose confidence. You lose that, 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 you know, that fire that you have. You're trying to, you're almost like, you know, a wounded animal Hmm. as opposed to being like the way I normally play. And it wasn't until Monty called me that next summer when we had the coaching change and I had an unbelievable conversation. And I just remember he just was like, I believe in you, essentially, you know, I know when you're healthy and you're going to have a year, a summer of training that you can be this player for me and I'm going to need you to be this player for me. So I think that really catapulted into that season and our relationship just built. And I think our team obviously, um, you know, really helped in, in how good we were. Um, but I know in that year too, I also realized, like, I think I had more to give just the role that I was playing in. I couldn't, you know, and and that's, and that was fine. I was going to give the best, that group was so special and we, you know, we should have won a damn cup. It pisses me off to this day. I don't think you're going to see a better constructed team in a long time with just the way we put that up. But that really is what kind of started me in the, in the direction of going to Chicago and saying, I I got more to give and kind of got my swagger back and um and chicago's allowed me to kind of do that and you know i, I give boston a ton of i give monty a ton of credit the group that we had in boston that really i i bonded with and and enjoyed that the players on that team so much and i think that's where the love of the game and the passion really started to come back and now i'm bringing that into chicago and really enjoying that here and, and hoping to help the team with the way i'm playing now yeah was, was it oh go ahead drakes you go 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 what was it pretty obvious to you nick you know, when, when Pat Moore starts negotiating the extension with Kyle and the Chicago Blackhawks, that the fit feels so right, not only for you as a hockey player, but for your family that, you know, yeah, the money is great, but you're excited to extend your time with the Blackhawks. Yeah, and that's where Pat Moore's best agent in the world is. Uh, is comes <laughs> in. But he he honestly was in, in this summer because I think it was difficult. Like, right, you're, you're I have never, I've never won. I, I've gotten, I've gotten to the second round. So the competitor in me is like, I need to win. This is driving me insane, you know? And then talking to my dad, who's never like, that's something that I I'm hungry for. But in speaking to Pat, and we've talked about this in my career, you, you can't pick a winner. And he said, you have an opportunity here to, to go in and, and really help mold and, and, and help this team find the direction that they need to go. And, and they believe in you that you're one of those players. And I, and I think I was looking for that. I think the disappointment of not playing in that game seven, in, in Boston, I was looking to be looked at as like, no, we, we need this guy and we, we feel like you can really help us. And, um, you know, I, I think it just all lined up perfectly with that, what I was looking for and for myself and, and the group. And yeah, I know it, it's, it's, I mean, there's been some unforeseen things that have gone on here, but mm. you know, it, it has been a really enjoyable year in a lot of ways too, for me on the ice, off the ice, we love the city of Chicago and I love getting to know Connor. I love to get to know the other young guys. We got a special player in Vlasic and defense that I think is going to be incredible in this league, um, <clears throat> and many other guys that I, I've just watched grow already this year. And, um, and I'm excited to now really, you know, put some roots down here and 
and push this team in the direction I feel like we can go. Okay. How do you, you're, you know, Luke Richardson refers to you like as a culture builder as well, but you're not a coach, you're a player. And (laughs) right. So like you can, you got to do your thing too. Right. And so how do you, how do you build a culture? You're, you can't build it by yourself. Like, how do you, how do you help push the ball in that direction a little bit and, um, and maybe help the younger guys learn a little bit of the lessons you've had over your career? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it. I'm so big on relationships. Uh, I just think they're the most important part. And I, I came into the Ottawa senators and I couldn't believe how well those guys would connect with me. You know, I'm 19. I'm not even at that time. I was so far age gap wise from a lot of the players, but the way they cared about me, the way they pulled me into the group and, I just, I remember that that really is what kind of, I was like, wow, NHL, like these guys are impressive. And I just always wanted to be that. I always wanted to have that impact on, on the next player because I knew what it meant to me at the time where, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to just say, Hey man, what's going on in the morning? But like to actually sit there and show that you have an interest in a player, it's amazing what that does for that player. Now they walk in a little more confident every morning, a little more comfortable and it's amazing what that does on the ice. So to me, that's, that's how you build relationships and bonds. And then what goes on on the ice, it all kind of stems from that, right? Now you're, now you're really digging in for that guy. So that's what I believe how a culture starts to be built. I think there's accountability within that because now you, you know, when you go to somebody, you're not just going at them because, Hey, you young kids. No, I I care about you. And I'm telling you this because it matters, you know, and and you know, my heart, you know what I'm trying to do for you. It's not just to pound my chest and say, I'm the older guy. I know what I'm talking about because there's things that I've learned already from some of the younger guys, just the way they practice or, you know, it's crazy. Like I, I shot pucks with Connor Bedard uh, at the start of camp. My shoulder was killing me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I got to start shooting more pucks. Like this is what this kid does. Why? Just because I'm 36. Yeah, maybe the years of of, of shooting have, have gotten to me, but man, I could use some more uh, some more strength in the shoulder if I got to shoot these pucks with them. So that was one thing I was like, man, I got to start shooting pucks in the summer or you know time off. But um, I don't know if my shot will ever be that good. But uh, I did. <laughs> it's a hell of a shot. In competition once so. you got him once. Yeah, once. Yeah, a boy. Um, now, how how old are your but kids? Yeah, that's Nick? that's what I believe in, and that's what, and honestly, that's what uh, I'm really appreciative of. Like a Jason Dickinson, who I think gets it as well, and Seth Jones, who I've worked with before, and Connor Murphy. So that there are some older pieces, but there are some guys that really are hungry too, the younger guys. So it's been it's been fun here. I was just going to ask, how old are your kids? Uh, Ten, eight, and six. So you you're you're well aware then that Connor's eight years older than your son <laughs> and that and you're 18 years old. He's got more in common with your son than he does with you. Right. Cause I'll when ask, I went yeah. to it, hey, hey Landon, what did you guys talk about today? Just so I could get, some, <laughs> just so I could understand how they, how the lingo is. For young guys. <laughs> well, um, when I had Patrick Steph into our house for dinner in Atlanta and I was 35 and my son was 10 and Patrick was 18 and they were talking about some video thing. And I'm like, I got no idea what they're talking about. I got no chance. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's so weird, isn't it? When you get that. Yeah, I, it is. It's crazy. Like, I mean, yeah, it's my daughter's eight years younger than Betsy. My boys are. Yeah. It's, it's wild to, to think that, you know, that's how big the age gap is. Um, but I think having kids, allows me to have a connection with them too because some of the you know there's little things that as 
you know you hear your kids talk about or or whatever it is i think it keeps you young and and, and talking to mm -hmm. them and um and also i mean i give these they're 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 wise kids too like connor's a pretty mature 18 year old um yeah, right. so you know it's impressive that you know the conversations we've already had are they're not they're not about video games because he knows i'm just i'm done i'm not that guy but they're <laughs> uh you know he's always wanted to know like on teams i played on or about players in the league and so it's it's pretty interesting what he's he's interested in and uh, a lot of the young guys too for that matter as fans nick we can see the skill set of connor bedard but up close, personal, you talked about shooting pucks with him in practice. What's impressed you most so far about Connor Bedard? Well, oh, um, I don't, you know, I guess what's impressed me most is, you know, when you play with somebody and you're expecting them to, to be this player, you're, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, I put you on a pedestal and yeah. You, and and they, they I hate to say it sometimes they disappointed I won't tell you who those people are but <laughs> they just kind of disappoint I feel like Connor hasn't I feel like Connor's as hardworking as he looks like he is on and you know on on a clip or um, he's as diligent about his game as body uh, he's as good a guy as you hear in the room mm. so I just appreciate that I think that's something that's that's hard to find nowadays and at 18 years old he's a kid that kind of lives up to the hype of of who he is. And I think it's just because he's well-grounded and well-raised. And so he's not caught off guard or, or influenced by things that don't matter. And, mm. you know, that's, that's probably the best compliment I could give him because mm. the hockey skills, I mean, there's a lot of great players in the league, but yeah, do I, I, the way he shoots a puck, does it remind me of some players? Absolutely. At 18. I mean, look what he's doing uh, with not a ton of help around him. And, you know, I think it's, it's just impressive the way he's handled himself and never really, shown uh any difference even when you know it's it's been a difficult ride for us this year when uh i'll go back to atlanta uh for me because you guys you're not the same thankfully but um you know like you don't win all as much as you you probably should like as this culture changer or culture builder you play a great game you lose four two and an empty net goal when you're sitting there, you're like, man, we, that, that was it. Like we played really good. Like, how do you not let these young guys become frustrated with a loss that kind of slides away again? Is that experience or is that like, Hey guys, that's just the way it is. And let's go to work tomorrow. Yeah. I think that's probably, I still fight with it. Cause I hate losing. I, I, sucks. You know, I, I had hey. that blow up the other day and you know, I remember just, you know, the way we lost that's, I think the, I, I get it, you know, like we we may just not have enough skill yet or enough like to to finish a job, right? You see how those teams that I remember that in Boston last year, there there was some, honestly some games we had no business winning, but our right. our maturity, our skill level, um, our our understanding of that, you know, we're just we're we knew how to win, and that's what I'm hoping to, you know, you never want to teach a team how to lose, and I think that's what you have to fight with. It's like, okay, moral victories are okay. But mm -hmm. it, let's 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 break it down even further, so we're not just caught up in like, yeah, it was a good game. But it's like, yeah, right. but we didn't get to win, and like wins matter in this league; it matters yeah. so much. And I think that's where I fight with. But I also the messaging is always like, okay, well, what did we control, and what like what made the difference? And I, I just think the only foundational piece to really start growing is the compete level uh, that yeah. you have to have. And it's not like everyone works hard in the NHL. I always hate that. Like we got to work harder. That's yeah. not it. It's it's like, are you competing on a on a on a one on one battle that you know 
it, it matters. It matters in that wall or off a face off. Is your, are you guys ready to go? If your centerman wins it in between, are you the winger that snaps it back to the D so that we win that draw? Like those are the little competes within the game that build you to a winning team is what I believe. And, and so that to me is where I don't, it's non-negotiable. And that's the ones that, that right. make me upset. I think that's the messaging is like, Hey, I know we lost, but man, we competed our ass off tonight. And that's a hell of a team over there. Or, yeah. Hey, we didn't compete tonight. Look at, they just snapped back more draws or we didn't get these pucks out or we didn't stand in front of the front of the net to, to pay the price. Then no, you're not going to win in this league if you don't do those things. So that's where I've tried to push our team to understand. And, um, you know, and, and I honestly, the, the, I think the shock and awe of losing Connor and, and, and a couple of our, a lot of our injuries, I really saw us turn and have that mindset because I think everyone was like, Oh shit, we don't compete. We're going to yeah. get killed here. Right. And, the past five games, I've actually been pretty proud of our the effort of our team and and the way we've right. you know we haven't gotten the result till finally the last game, but um, you know I'm proud of the guys the way they've handled themselves. Last year we had uh, your brother on, and um, you know he's not oh, short of a word. Yeah, he's fun. not <laughs> short of a word either. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, when's the last time you two monsters wrestled? Like, and could you take Marcus still because? Oh, <laughs> good <laughs> you never give up on never take no, a back no step right <laughs> i'll be like the, what's the one with the, the the frog the guy the bird getting swallowed by the frog or the frog getting swallowed <laughs> by the bird i mean he'd still be killing me and i'd still be trying to throw a punch just because as the older brother um yeah uh we I, we have wrestled in a long time i think we're I you think, guys must have been his kids it must I have remember, been terrible no we were awful i put we like, put holes in walls there's still a hole in the wall my kids laugh at we have a mini stick area that like it's like a back room in my dad's my parents place and um there's still a hole that was like pl- kind of plastered over but not really uh and my kids just go in there my boys are like you put uncle moose through the wall here i'm like yeah i sure did um we've had our battles and i remember like our we used to my my family would like clear the furniture and just let us get it out of the way just to all right you guys done good um That's there was awesome. one time where i remember we, we were fighting or something happened and he hauled off and, and socked me in the arm and I, it killed, but I couldn't show it to him. And I didn't, and I remember going downstairs after just rubbing, I was like borderline tears. And it was like, I think he was around 16. So I would have been like 18, 19 at the time, 20. And, uh, that was the last <laughs> time I think I ever really actually went at it with him. And we've had a couple of doc wrestling matches here and there, but, um, yeah, he's yeah. up to the high, hype of being the moose now. He got that nickname because he was so uncoordinated. It was Baby Moose at one point. <laughs> he's he's a full-grown moose now. I, I hope awesome. before you retired, you'll play one game in your dad's old helmet. I would really like <laughs> to see that. That would be I did awesome. Pull it out. I pulled it out for a practice a long time ago in Ottawa. Last time I wore it, but... That would have been, uh, yeah, that thing is ugly yeah. as hell, though. My God. Oh, it was he terrible had, when he was wearing it, man. Yeah. When he was wearing it, we're like, why is he what wearing is a bowling that? ball on his head? What is he doing? <laughs> He's, we've strained a few pastas with that thing. In, in the, in the <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right, Nick. Well, we'll let you go there, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. Get healthy soon, and uh, all the best to the Blackhawks. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nick. You know, we're fortunate, Ray, to have uh, a number of good guests on the Ray and Driggs Hockey Podcast. In fact, you know, we have great guests. Who's kidding who? Um, Nick Foligno is right up there with the best, um, no. just for a variety of different reasons. But as I'm listening to him, number one, he, he has fun, but you can 
the passion and, and how he wants to approach the game just pours out of him. You get that. But I'm listening to him, and I'm thinking, geez, I don't know, man. He, he seems destined to be a coach or something along those lines yeah. when, when his career is over. Just his ability to communicate and you know the passion, everything that goes into how he plays the game, that's got to translate in another career. Well, okay, so it's funny. You're thinking about a coach, which 100% I get. Like I, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of like, would you? Why wouldn't you want Nick Felino and his energy and passion to be the face of your franchise? No, for sure. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't a team go? You know what? That guy could be our president. Mm. Like, like there's, there's. Remember when we had Marcus on last year? Like that comes yeah. from their dad, right? I never, I never knew their mom who passed quite some time ago, but. Like that comes from, from Mike and like their, their ability to communicate with an energy is, I can see why Chicago was like, yeah, we need to have him back here and we need yeah. to have him back here for more than one year mm -hmm. because built, I, you know, I referenced it, but building that culture isn't a three month thing. Mm. And then they've got to go get Nick help on, you know, like they, so you have a couple more veterans to help. You've got Dickinson trying find a couple more that help and think the same way yeah. uh, to help the, you know, what's going to be just, you know, a colossal group of young players that are going to come in too in the next year or two. It's a, it's a big undertaking, but man, he's impressive to, to listen to and entertaining. Yeah. I mean, like the you stories can just imagine, are just outrageous. You can just imagine <laughs> that lousy drywall in the basement the repair job that probably still has the body mark of somebody that went through it. Well, and again, talk about a fierce competitor. I mean, right near the beginning of the interview, he took us back to his days in Toronto and he, right. I think he used the term pissed off because he yep. was injured and he, he, he couldn't do anything the way he wanted to do to help that team win. That's just runs through his veins. And um, he's right. Uh, it's a, a misused phrase, oh, we got to work harder. Like winning is so hard. Everybody's working yeah. hard and trying hard for, you know, like you, you know, there's varying degrees of energy and things like that. But man, winning's hard. And you can just see that, like, that's, that's in, that's the DNA right there is how do we figure out a way to win? That was yeah. a great interview. You're not that far from home, Los Angeles. Um, what's the weekend looking like after the big game tonight? Well, I'm hoping it's better than when I got, when I left, um, it, we got hit with about five inches of snow, which is a lot in Vancouver. Yeah. We don't almost get a lot. Top of the city. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm almost certain we got, you know, three snow plows and seven guys shoveling snow at the airport. Like we just don't have snow. So why would you no. have no. an army of equipment? And when right. we went out to the de-icer, I'm telling you, like, there's no way there's three at the airport. There's no chance. I, People are screaming on the plane. What are we doing? Let's get no, going here. I, I think though, I think there was a resignation of at least we're getting out. Yeah. So yeah. I hope I'm going back and it's going to be a, a little more clean. I got to say, I'm going to say at the end of this here, really yeah. proud of my boys, um, Riley and Reese. Um, they went out with Cammy yesterday and they shoveled, uh, you know, four or five driveways for people that needed some help. Oh, and, nice. And I was like, really, really proud of them. And I know that comes from Cam, you know, cause I'm sure the boys didn't say, Hey, let's go shovel driveways. But like they went out and 
they they sent some pictures and I was like, man, that's really, really awesome to see. And was your first question, how much did you make? Well, they got they were pumped because the neighbors, <laughs> Kent and Pam, all-star neighbors, uh, they're they were big on I think they got chocolates from them, they got muffins from the the woman up the street. So they were paid in kind. They were they were pretty pumped with the payment. That's awesome. Perfect. All right, buddy. Well, yeah, hope things cleaned up back uh, but, at home and get there safely. Quiet weekend for me for the most part. So not a lot well, going on. Just Oh, you got a, an early game to watch on Saturday. You'll, you know, yeah. seven, seven o'clock as always. As I told you last time, the, the enjoyment is the four o'clock start in Vancouver and hearing everybody Why? argue about it. I love it. <laughs> I just like the idea if I was there, you get, you know, watch the game. You're entertained by that. You yep. go out for dinner and you're in bed nice and early what's wrong with that i I think yeah it'll it'll a lot of excitement always when the leafs come out so that'll be part of the weekend too all right buddy get home safe yep be well thanks for listening everyone and thank you to our sponsors who make rain dregs possible our title sponsor canadian club whiskey and tim hortons and yes thank you for listening for rating for sharing and for following us on the rain dregs youtube channel until next time stay safe everybody (laughs) 